Wasn't that a wonderful song? When the Lord chose, and he chose to be born, he chose to be born in a manger, he chose to die on a cross, he chose to rise again. And that is the blessing that we have and celebrate this Christmas and every time of the year we rejoice in that. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for John Yvette's song this morning. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did not come as anything special in the eyes of the world. You came humbly, Lord. You came as God manifested in human flesh, and yet so few really understood it. And we thank you this morning that we celebrate your birth, Lord, because you have changed our lives, and we're so thankful. And we pray by the Spirit of God that you will take your word this morning and and speak it tenderly and softly to everyone's heart, Lord. And may you be glorified, Lord Jesus. And we just ask that you would hide me behind the cross and that your words would be heard today in hearts around this building. We just thank you and praise you in your precious name. Amen. You know, very few things in life are guaranteed. They say two things are really certain in life. Two things are are really guaranteed. Death and taxes. And you've heard that so many times over the years, and it's true. But it's amazing to me how many people are very bold in making predictions and, and guaranteeing things. It's amazing. Recently, there was a man who signed with the Chicago Cubs baseball team. And they had this news conference. And in front of all these people, he said, we're going to win the World Series next year. Well, how is he going to guarantee that? It's very hard to do things like that. Unless you're, you're uh, the famous football player Joe Namath back in 1969 who predicted and guaranteed a victory over the powerful Baltimore Colts team. I mean, the fledgling AFL was represented by the Jets and Broadway Joe, you've heard of him, came out and said it. And he didn't say, I think we're going to win. We have a good chance to win. We are going to win. And he willed it and he did it. But how few can do that. Just recently, there was a player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He wasn't even a starting player, defensive uh, player. And he says, I, I guarantee we're going to beat the Patriots on Sunday. Well, guess what? Final score, Patriots 31, Steelers 14. You can't make these predictions. Or if you don't like sports, how about this analogy? One of the famous people here in the Bay Area is George Zimmer, who's the founder and CEO of the Men's Warehouse. Whenever he comes on TV or you hear him on the radio, his famous slogan is, I guarantee it. But I tell you, as good as George Zimmer is, as good as Joe Namath is, as good as different people are at making predictions, you can't because everything is in the hands of God and only God can fulfill his promises and make things come true and guarantee it. And we can rejoice in that. Yes, God fulfills his promises. Years ago, I heard a little saying, and I've kept it in my heart ever since. It says, God said it, and I believe it. And that settles it for me. And when you can take God's word and you can take all the promises of God's word, you can bet your life on it. You can stake everything on it because God's word is true and he's never failed yet. And he never will because his truths are everlasting. Today, we're going to look at a familiar character. And I just have a question for our brother, Brad, this morning. Brad and I, did you and I talk any time this week about what I was going to speak on or anything like that? No. Guess who Brad shared on this morning? He shared on Simeon. 
Guess what the message is on today? It's on Sunday. I mean, I never cease to be amazed at the Spirit of God and how he works. And the message in song by John Yvette goes with it also. And this doesn't happen by coincidence because I prayed, Lord, show me what you want me to share on. Give me the message. And so he gave me the message. He put it on Brad's heart and he put it on John Yvette's heart and it all came together. Coincidence? Fate? Chance? Luck? No, it's God's ordaining. And our subject today, the title of the message is God guarantees his promises to us. God guarantees his promises to us. Let's turn over to that passage because we're going to start at verse 25. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. It's pretty exciting. This is a really exciting topic to me and I'm very thankful. And just to see how the Lord is is working in our lives. Luke chapter 2 will begin reading at verse 25. It's a familiar story to many, if not all of us. In fact, like I said, Brad shared from it today. Luke 2.25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were being spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. We're going to look at three things from this passage in the life of Simeon. First of all, the promise was given to him. Secondly, the promise was believed by him. And third, the promise was fulfilled to him. You know, it's an incredible story. It's an amazing story. And guess what? It's a true story. These are not old wives tales. These are not just nice stories that appear in the Bible. These things really did happen. There really was a man named Simeon who had a such a close relationship with the Lord that the Lord showed him what was going to happen. And he believed it and he trusted in the Lord. I'd like to define the word promise today, which is found in the Webster's Dictionary. And I really like it. It says an oral or written agreement to do or not to do something, a vow, an indication as of a successful prospect or future. Basis for expectation to declare emphatically to assure, you know, and when God makes these promises, they are guaranteed. They're fully guaranteed. And God doesn't have to put any fine print on there like they do in advertising nowadays to cover themselves if something breaks or doesn't work the way it's intended to. God's guarantees are perfect 
And when he says you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, he means it. He means if you accept him as your savior, you're saved right now. You don't have to do anything except to believe and take him into your heart. And that's what Simeon did. And we're going to see how the Lord blessed him. Well, let's look, first of all, that the promise was given to him. You notice in verse 25, two things about Simeon. He was a man who lived in Jerusalem and he was a devout and just man. You know, it's a beautiful thing to realize that in the scriptures, a lot of times people lived up to or lived down to the definition of their names. And that's what happened with Simeon. He lived up to his name. The word Simeon means hearing or hears and obeys or hearing with acceptance. I mean, what a name, what a name, what a definition. That's exactly what he did. He heard the promises of God. He believed them. He accepted them. He walked with God and had such a close relationship with God. We think of other people in the Bible that had names that were so wonderful. Abraham was named the father of many nations. That's what his name means. And then we have Naomi. Her name means pleasant and she wanted to change it to bitter. She wanted to say, call me Mara. Don't call me Naomi. And Daniel means man of God. And so down through the scriptures, you see all these people that lived up to their names and some even lived down to their names if their names meant something bad. It's really amazing. But the list goes on and on. And notice where he lived. He lived in Jerusalem where the temple was. He wanted to be right there because he knew when the Messiah came, Messiah was going to come to the temple. So he lived there. He went into the temple every day. He worshiped God. And we're going to see how the Lord really blessed him. He was a definite man of God. And you can just imagine him. He was an older man. We don't know how old he was, but he was probably at this point in time quite elderly. And we can see that God loves older people, and he blesses them and gives them such wisdom to dispense to us. But notice his character was so godly, it says he was a just man. In other words, he was a righteous man. And what does righteousness mean? It means to be right with God, and he was right with God. He knew the Lord in a personal way, and that is really fantastic because the Bible says that we can't be righteous, we can't be just on our own. We're born sinners through Adam and Eve. And we have this sin nature. And you say, well, it's not our fault then. It is your fault. because, And it's my fault because we have also chosen to sin. We have sinned against God. We have gone our own way. The Bible says all of us have gone like sheep. We have gone astray. And he has laid on him, that is on Christ, our sin bearer, the iniquity of us all. So he was a just man, a righteous man. And he feared God and he loved the Lord very much. He was devout. You know, when you say somebody is devout, it's not a word that's used very commonly today, but it means they have a very close relationship with the Lord. They love the Lord. And that was true of him. And so when Simeon would tell you about the Lord, he would tell you about him first thing, because that's how much the Lord meant to him. And I was thinking about this yesterday as I was preparing on the message. I asked this question and we have a choice to make today. Does Jesus Christ revolve around your life? Or do you revolve your life around Jesus Christ? Now, isn't that a good question to ask ourselves? Does our life revolve around Jesus Christ? Is he the center of our life? Does everything we do take him into consideration? Do we ask him to lead us, to guide us, to strengthen us? Or do we say, I can do it on my own. 
When I need Jesus, I'll, I'll reach out for him. I don't really need him all the time. No, we need him every moment for every breath, for all our lives, whether we're at work, whether we're at home and going to school or wherever we are. We need him for everything. And as we grow in our lives, we realize that more and more that without him, we're nothing. We have nothing to offer him. But when he is with us, the scripture says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that's such a great encouragement. It's also convicting, though, because the Lord wants us to revolve our lives around him and not the other way around. And then we see also in verses 25 and 26 that the promise was believed by him. In other words, God had made known to Simeon, we don't know when it was in his life, that he was not going to see death. In other words, he was not going to die until he saw the Messiah with his eyes. And you can imagine, here he was, an older man getting older, people around him in his age group dying. And yet he was not. I think he was healthy as a hog. I think God kept him healthy and I kept his eyesight good. They didn't have glasses in those days. They didn't have contact lenses. They didn't have LASIK surgery in those days. But when the time came to see the Messiah, he saw him with clarity, better than 2020. Because it was 2020 vision for the Lord. You know, there's a verse in John chapter 20 and verse 20 that tells us that if you just turn over to there. You can find out 2020 vision. John chapter 20 and verse 20. This is 2020 vision. You can tell your eye doctor about it. You can tell everybody I've got 2020 vision, even if you have bad eyesight. <laughs> Notice what it says. John 20 and verse 20. When he had said this. He showed them his hands and his feet. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. John 20, 20. Now, you know, you have 20, 20 vision. I said, wow, I've got good vision. But, you know, Simeon was the man who was waiting for the coming Messiah. And really, when you think about it, there were very few in that day who were godly, devout Jews that were really looking forward to Messiah's coming with joy and enthusiasm. Many people knew Messiah would eventually come. Maybe it'll be in our lifetime. Maybe it won't. But God had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that, yes, it's going to be in your lifetime, Simeon. You're going to see it with your eyes and you're going to be blessed by it and you're going to have a story to tell. And I am so thankful that Simeon was such a willing vessel. But it reminds us today, because Christ came in his first advent, there were very few people really longing for his coming. How about today waiting for his second advent? How many, even among God's people, among God's children, are anxiously looking for his coming? Wanting it so bad because we're going to be with him forever. And yet, sometimes we get entangled in the things of the world. We get busy. It gets hectic, especially around Christmas time. Let us never forget that this earth is not our home. It's not our final resting place. Our home is in heaven. We even sang it in the song today. We're citizens of heaven and we're going there. And if you know the Lord is your savior, you're going there. Might be today. The Lord might come. You have to be ready. Or he may call us by the way of death. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're lost and you're not going to go to heaven. And that's what the Bible says. That's not my words. That's what the Bible says. And we have to be ready. But so many people scoff when you talk about the coming of the Lord. Oh, they scoff and they say this. Second Peter 3, 3 and 4 talks about that. It says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts 
and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I remember when my dad said that one time. He said, oh, people have been talking about the coming of the Lord for years and he hasn't come. And believe me, God has a timing and we can't see it. We don't know when it's going to be. It's like an hourglass, though. The sand is moving down that hourglass. We don't know how much is left because we cannot see the upper part of the hourglass. We can only see the bottom, how much life we have lived. We don't know how much we have left. It may be little or it may be much, but we praise God for salvation, that we can have Christ in our lives and know that whether we have little or much, we're going to be with him forever. That is the tremendous promise that God gives to those who are saved. But it's a reminder to us that we can count on God's promises. And when he makes a promise that he's going to come, he is going to come because God has fulfilled every promise that he has made to to people in the word of God. Someone said that there are over 7,800 promises in the Bible that God made to people. Isn't that amazing? So many promises. And yet every one of them has either come true or will come true in a future day. That is how much God loves us and how much he wants to bless us indeed. And we see also in this passage that it was by the Holy Spirit that Simeon had come to know this truth that the Lord was coming, the Messiah was coming. By the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament time of which Simeon was living in the old covenant, the old time, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person for a particular time for a particular purpose. But now in the New Testament, once we're saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, the spirit of God just doesn't come to visit us or help us with one particular thing. He comes to indwell us, to control our lives, to bless us, to give us hope, to give us strength and peace to make it through all life's circumstances. And yes, he had this promise that he would not die until Messiah had come. I think about people in the Bible that had to wait a long time for their promise, a long time for the fulfillment of it. I think about Caleb. He was 40 years old when he went in to spy out the land with Joshua and the other spies. There were 12 men that went. And only Joshua and only Caleb brought back a good report, a favorable report. God blessed them for it. All the other 10 died. All the other men and women of that generation died because of their lack of faith. Only Caleb and Joshua of their generation entered the promised land along with all the children that were born along the way in the wilderness journey. So when they came finally to go into the promised land and conquered the land and it was time to get the inheritance, Caleb came to Joshua and said, I'm now 85 years old. It's been 45 years since Moses promised to us that I would have this inheritance and I've come to collect. I've come to get my inheritance. God doesn't forget about his promises. He doesn't. After 45 years of waiting, Caleb was very similar to to Simeon, not as old, but probably close to it. And he knew that God was going to fulfill that. And God fulfilled it for him. And he was a devout man also. John Wesley pointed out that some 1,854 verses of Scripture speak of the Lord Jesus Christ and his second coming and about the end of the age. 1,854 verses. It's amazing. I also like what Vance Hafner, the man of God, said about waiting for the coming of the Lord. He says, we are not just looking for something to happen. We're looking for someone to come. 
And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when these things begin to come to pass, and they are, we are not to drop our heads in discouragement or shake our heads in despair, but rather lift up our heads in delight. Because as we see all these world events happening, pestilences, earthquakes, famines, all these things, shootings and killings on college campuses, in churches nowadays, all these things that are happening shouldn't discourage us or make us despair, but it should remind us He's coming soon. And even though these bad things are happening, the Lord is going to come and He's going to take us to be with Himself. Yes, Simeon waited for the coming of the Messiah. And he got to see it with his own eyes. And as he waited, he watched. And as he watched... He worked. And as he worked, he worshipped. He didn't just sit back and sit down on the, on the sofa or on the chair and say, well, God has promised that he's going to come and I know he's going to come. No. He says, because he's going to come, I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more. I want to serve more. I want to go into the temple more. I want to fellowship with other believers more because he's coming soon. And I bet... And we can't know it till we get to heaven. But I bet he told all his family and all his friends about this promise. I really do. And I bet many of them were kind of doubtful, especially as weeks went by and, and months went by and years went by. And he wasn't as young as he used to be. I mean, they just told me this this day, um, Nick Benitez, the fourth. How old are you, Nick? 21 years old. I mean, he's less than half of my age. He's young. But we have other people that are older. And as you get older, I mean, as Simeon got older, he probably thought, Lord, is this really going to happen? But yes, I have the promise. You said it was going to happen, Lord. And I believe it's going to happen. And he was waiting for it to happen. He didn't doubt. He believed it to be something that was going to happen. I really love that song that we sing. Sometimes it's a hymn. It says, standing on the promises of Christ, my King, through eternal ages, let his praises ring glory in the highest. I will shout and sing standing on the promises of God. I've always liked that hymn and it has a nice catchy tune and it just reminds us you can stand on God's promises and it will not let you down. He won't let you down. He's going to be with us. And that's so encouraging to me. When I go into work and they talk about laying off 20 people, which they did this week, I'm telling you, pray for me because it's amazing. And then we go in and we get discouraging circumstances and things happening and all these things. But Christ is our hope. He's our joy. He's our peace that we don't have to look at circumstances and be dragged down. We can put our confidence in him and know he's with us. That no matter what happens to us, he's going to be in control of our lives. Yes, I mentioned how many promises. It's exactly 7,487 promises that speak of God's promises to man. It was calculated by a man named Dr. Everick. R. Storms of Ontario, Canada, and he says he hand-counted Hand-counted them. Can you imagine going through the Scriptures and hand-counting every promise? What's that going to do for you? You're going to get the promise while you read it. That's something that challenged each one of us. Let's go and check him out. Let's see if that's really accurate. Let's check out the promises of God. But fortunately for us, there's actually books that have been written on all the promises of God. You can go down to Lighthouse or whatever Christian bookstore and buy a book of promises and you'll have every promise and you can claim those promises. And I love the promise that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. 
I will be with you to the end of the age. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. I mean, there's so many great promises that we have in God's word and we can rejoice in today. So we see that God made a promise to him. There was a promise received and there was a promise believed and a promise claimed. Because when God gives you a promise and you say, this is the promise you gave me, Lord, you're going to claim that promise. This is my promise and I'm going to hold on to it. That's what Simeon did. He didn't say, well, it might not happen. I'm getting old now. I'm getting weak. I'm getting feeble. I can't see as well, maybe. But God kept him right for the moment. He kept him ready to see the Messiah. And we see in verse 27, it says, So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. What a joy. I mean, can you imagine? When Simeon got up that morning, do you think he knew that this was going to be a special day? Maybe not. Maybe the Spirit of God hadn't shown him yet because it's indicated from the text that the Lord showed him when Jesus came in with his, his parents that Jesus was the Messiah. Maybe he didn't know. And so he got up in the morning as usual, like always he did, and he had his breakfast and he read through the scroll of the Word of God and prayed to the Lord and, and did all the normal things he did and says, I'm going off to the temple now. And we don't know if he was married, if he had a family. We don't know what his situation was. But he went there that day, as he always did, and got a blessing. And that there's a lesson for that for us. We shouldn't get out the bulletin and read who's speaking today. Oh, Dean's speaking today. I'm not going to come. Or, <laughs> or Rod's speaking today. Or Adel's speaking today. Or Bill. Or I'm going to be there. It shouldn't matter. Because if Simeon had said, well, I don't want to go to the temple today, he, wouldn't have, he would have missed it. He was there every day. And so when church is open on Sunday, we come. When church is open on Monday, joint prayer meeting or a Bible study, we come. When it's open on Wednesday, we come. If we can make it on Thursday, we come. We get together on Fridays for fellowship. We come. And that's what Simeon did. And he found it to be a blessing because he came to the right place to meet the right person. Yes, it's a blessing to know that he came and saw the Messiah. And I can't imagine when he came in and he saw Mary walking in with Joseph and the baby Jesus in their arms. How did he know that this was the Messiah? It says in the scriptures that the Spirit of God revealed it to him. He walked so close with the Lord that the Lord whispered in his ear. Isn't that amazing? Reminds us of the story of Enoch in the Old Testament. He walked with God for 365 years and then God took him straight to heaven without even having to die. That's how close a relationship Simeon had with the Lord. And guess what? We can have that same close relationship with the Lord. In fact, he wants us to. Spend time with him and love him and and spend time in his word. And that was what Simeon did. And that's why he was so close with the Lord. And I can imagine tears of joy just falling down his face to where he could practically not even see. Because he says, Lord, now you can let me go home. I can go home to heaven now because you fulfilled your word. And I've seen with my own eyes. Did he say the Messiah? No. He said, With my eyes, I have seen your salvation. 
He knew that this little baby was not destined just for a crib or to grow up as a child. He was going to go to the cross and die for all of us so that we can be saved. And we can see it in his words that he speaks here in this passage because he was a prophet of exactly what was going to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. Dr. Ironside, who we love very well, wrote in his commentary, the spirit made it clear to him and this, that this is what I waited for. This is what I long for. And I'm ready to come home. You know, Bill McDonald said something interesting this week when he was really down and he wasn't feeling good. He says, I'm ready to go home. And sometimes when you're really when you're really older and you've got a lot of pain and and different illnesses and things, you say sometimes, Lord, it's better to take me home. But guess what? The Lord said to Bill, I'm not finished with you yet. Do you know it's true that your life and my life is immortal until our work for the Lord is done? Isn't that amazing? That's comforting, isn't it? That you can go out today and know that you're going to be taken care of by the very God of the universe. That he's going to be with you. Nothing bad's going to happen to you until your work on earth is done. Then when it's done, he says, come on home, like he did to Enoch. Come on home. And we don't look for death. We look for the rapture. And we pray that it'll be in our lifetime. But whether it is or not, we're going to be with the Lord for eternity for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. I love how he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, for which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Do you know when you summarize it and put it in its most common form, you have two peoples in the world, two types of people, Jews and Gentiles. And that's who the Lord came to seek and to save, you and I. We either are Jews or we're Gentiles, but we all get saved by the same blood of Christ. We accept him the same way. We have the same Holy Spirit. And that was the rejoicing that he had. He says, to the joy of the Gentiles and of the Jews. J. Vernon McGee, who is a great man of God. I know Lorraine likes him very much. I like what he had to say. Now, I won't try to say it in the southern accent like he used to do, but he was such a blessing on the radio. He said this, God had promised Simeon that he would see the salvation of God. What did he see? He saw a little baby. Salvation is a person and not what you do. Salvation is a person and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. You either have him or you don't. You either trust him or you don't. Yes, the question is, do you have him today? Do you have Jesus today? Do you have a close personal relationship or do you just know about him? Do you enjoy hearing about him or do you want to know him personally? And that's what Simeon wanted. He wanted that close personal relationship so that when he entered that temple that day, he wasn't going to say happy holidays. He was going to say Merry Christmas. Jesus has come. And that is the blessing that we have. We look for the blessed hope. And we also notice some very interesting way that the Lord says it here in verse 33. He says, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. That was not a coincidence. That wasn't just how it's worded. The Holy Spirit worded it that way so people would know that Jesus was conceived of the Virgin Mary apart from man whatsoever. And that Joseph, we call him his earthly father, had no part in it. Just like we have no part in our salvation whatsoever. Salvation is of God. He brings it to pass in our life and helps us to be born again. 
through him. And then he also says that this child, as a prophet, he speaks, he says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Simeon was a prophet. He knew that once Jesus grew up and became a man and started teaching, started preaching, starting doing miracles, he was going to go to the cross. And there was going to be two groups of people, those who accepted him and those that did not accept him. The ones who did not accept him, that's where they come in where he says, for the fall of people in Israel. If you don't accept Christ, you take the fall. You go to hell. And it's not God's fault because he's made an offer for a free offer, a free gift that we can accept him so that instead of the fall, it can be for the rising of many in Israel. Israel, And it's going to be a sign which will be spoken against. Is Jesus spoken against today? He still is. People still speak against Christ. They can speak against, they won't speak against bad against any other religion or any other religious leader, but you talk about Jesus Christ and it polarizes people because you're either for him or against him. You're either saved or you're unsaved. And that is the sword. That divides. He says, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I came to bring a sword to cut right down the middle. Some people in the family are going to accept me. Some people in the family are not. And that is the choice and decision everyone has to make. The Bible says he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, that is to the Jewish people, and his own did not receive him. But, he says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And you know what? Some 33 years later, the prophecy of verse 35 took place. It says, yes, a sword will pierce your own soul also. That is Mary. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And one day, 33 years later, Jesus died on the cross and there was his mother there watching, weeping. And it broke her heart to see her son crucified. But he died for her too. He died to bring her salvation. You know, a lot of people elevate Mary and they put her on a pedestal that only God should have. That's not the way it should be. She was saved like everybody else. She was a sinner like everybody else. Though she was the Virgin Mary. But God brought these things to pass. And we can thank the Lord that salvation is a free gift to everybody. Whether it's Mary or Joseph or you there this morning, or myself, or people throughout the world in different places, we're all saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So to sum up today, we can thank God that Simeon received the promise, he believed the promise, and he saw the promise fulfilled with his own eyes. Guess what? You've had a promise made to you that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can see him today. Not with your physical eyes, but with your spiritual eyes, the eyes of your heart. And once you see Jesus, you do have 20-20 vision. You do have the best vision because you see him face to face. And guess what? For those who know the Lord, the first person we're going to see in heaven is not St. Peter at the gate. Sorry, Peter. He'll be there, but the Lord Jesus is going to come and he's going to have his arms outstretched and he's going to welcome each one of us. He's going to hug us. He's going to kiss us. He's going to bless us. And we are going to rejoice in that because he died for us. 
So may the Lord encourage us this Christmas season to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ's birth is what Christmas is all about. Simeon knew it. The godly Jews knew it. We as Christians know it. And we should stand firm on it. And it gives us such hope and such confidence and such peace and joy to go out those doors today and thank the Lord that he's with us, that he's given us his promises, he's given us his word. We can count on it. We can believe it. And don't go out that door today without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you have a slight doubt, we used to call it shadow of a doubt or a reasonable doubt even, like they say nowadays, don't leave. Say right here in the front row, Adel, one of the elders or one of the men, will come and talk to you. Don't leave because we want everyone to be saved, to see the Lord so that they can see him in heaven. Shall we just close in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this man, Simeon. And it's so exciting that he was waiting for your promise, Lord. He was waiting for your coming. And he was waiting with such joy and anticipation. And the older he got, he still didn't doubt, Lord. I'm sure he held on to that promise. And Lord, we want to hold on to the promise that you're coming again, Lord Jesus. We know it's probably going to be very soon, but whether it's in our lifetime or not doesn't matter. What matters is that we're going to be in eternity with you, Lord, for those who are saved. And we just thank you for our salvation, Lord, that we have seen with our eyes, with the eyes of our hearts, you, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, crucified, buried, risen again and coming again. And we just pray, Lord, for those who don't know the Lord, that they will accept you today, Lord, because that is the key this time of year at Christmas or any time is to know you in a personal way, to know you so closely, Lord, that we can talk to you just like we talk to each other. We pray now you'll bless us and dismiss us with your blessing. And we thank you for this day and for your word, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen.